Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. So we're continuing the series on Christ is King. He's not the coming king. He is the reigning king right now. There's not going to be a time where he's going to have more authority later. He has all authority on earth right now according to what he said. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And so what we have been talking about is the first, it was the idea of stewardship, that God sent his son to purchase the mantle of stewardship back to humanity so that we are called to, look, to lead and to, and to uh, rule and reign the earth in which God has set us in. Part of that is in the local church. Part of that is us understanding God has called us to be a part of our local church and a local body. And so with that, just so you guys are aware, we are um, we're really needing some volunteers to serve in areas of ministry. Interesting enough, after COVID, there was a, a national crisis of churches for people volunteering. After COVID, it just kind of people disengaged and serving. And so um, I just want to ask you guys today to consider serving and volunteering. Um, and just for, for instance, in our children's ministry, we have some needs. We have needs for, for some of you fine folks to serve children. And uh, there's no greater reward than doing that, but we have other areas as well. So if you're interested in what we need, or if you're interested in what the commitment level is, please, we have a table as you leave today, stop by, say, hey, how, how can I serve? How can I help? We would really, we, we would so appreciate that. And this ministry actually would as well. And so we just believe that God provides for the church. And so he's the one who provides. And so if, uh, it, and you are the, those who who participate are the ones who are helping provide. But this is still connected with this idea that Christ is king because this church belongs to Jesus. Everything about it belongs to Jesus. And so we want to serve and be a part of what Jesus wants us to, to serve and be a part of. For us as a church, it's been a, a, a strong focus of, of making sure that Jesus holds the right place in our church. He is the king of this church, amen? He is the great shepherd. And so we have lived in an era of um, where in church the, the pastor is king or in, in, a, in a church the, the name of the church is king. And we have lost and forgotten that Jesus Christ is king. And when you understand that and live under that, you make decisions a little different because the king is the king. You're not the king. Leaders in the church make decisions not based off of, ooh, what do I like? What is my vision? They make decisions off of what is Jesus like? What is his vision? And let's do that. And let's be stewards of the church that God has called us to do. And so the same thing for, for us in our personal lives. And we've been walking through this idea, establishing the kingship of Christ. Last week, before we, before we start thinking about applying God's kingship to the world around us, before we lean into that, which I'm going to speak a lot about later in this series, before we lean into that, we first need to make sure that our own lives are in line with the kingship of Christ. That he's, there isn't this, he's king of some things and not 
and not all things. This isn't this, there are areas of my life that he, he wants his kingship over and some he doesn't give a rip about. That's not true. Because all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to Christ is what he said as he gave the great commission. And so we want to lean in and we want to align ourselves underneath his kingship, underneath his authority in our lives. Here's the great thing about God, though. When you make that decision, the blessing and the character of who he is begins to flow in your life. You begin to see the results of your submission under his authority. It's, it's kind of like a mentor used to say, hey, get under the spout where, where God's presence comes out. And so what he was saying is, listen, God's presence flows from his character. It flows from his truth. So as you align yourself to it, his presence and blessing flows from him. And so last week we talked about what it means to be a child of God. What is the, what is the daily thing that we have to do as we walk through being his child? And it was, it was such, a, it's such a fun topic. We talked about dying to yourself. Super fun. Nobody likes to do that. It's hard. But God's grace calls us to do it. But, but we are to do that daily. So to come and follow Jesus is a, is, a, is a call. Hey, come and die. And I will do amazing things through your life. And so I want us today to continue to lean into self. What does it look like to live under the kingship of Christ in our life? What does it look like not just to exercise the crown rights of Jesus in the world around us, but what does it look like for us personally? Because, you know, everybody wants, to, everybody wants to change the world. Everybody wants the things around in society to, to bring glory to Christ through its actions and, and serve people through the glory of Christ through its actions. But a lot of times we don't always want to come under that kingship. So as a, a friend told me one time, he said, listen, if it doesn't work at home, don't export it. So we want this to work at home. And so we come today, and what does it look like to allow God's word to reveal to us and, and show us how do we fully bring ourselves under the kingship of Christ? You see, a kingdom has a king. Jesus says the kingdom of God is here. So a kingdom has a king. And a king has principles and laws in which his kingdom function by. And so we have a choice how we can function underneath his kingship. But it's not our articulation of what we want his principles to be. It's us coming under submission to his word and then applying that through his grace. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean that, that when you mess up, he throws you in jail in his kingdom. It means that we are on ongoing. The position of our heart is, God, I want to please you. I want to, though, though, quickly, though you already please him because of his son Christ, and you gave your life to Jesus, and now you are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. And so when God looks at you, he sees his son. He doesn't see you. And how many looked in the mirror this morning and thought, praise God for that, right? But he sees you as righteous. But, Lord, how do, I, how do I please you in this ongoing relationship with you and come under your, your, your kingship and your law and your principles? 
And so we are in his kingdom. If you put your faith in Christ, you are in his kingdom. And so we're, con we're continuing to bring ourselves under his full authority in word and in deed. Not for the purpose of his blessing, though that's good. And as we begin to look at areas of, of government and justice and education, not for the, or, and media or whatever it may be, not for, we, don't, we don't engage to, bring, to, to, to change that or to hijack that or to get a seat at the table in that. Well, listen, Jesus owns the stinking table. We get involved in the area God's called us to get involved in to bring glory to Christ because it's his kingdom. So this isn't about power or manipulation. It's about bringing glory and honor to Jesus. Amen? But in our own personal lives, how do we do this? And so we're going to continue to ask God to reveal some fresh things to us today. And one of the major themes of the whole Bible from the beginning to end is this idea and heart of God that he calls people to himself. One of the major themes is that God calls a person, individual, to himself. So he, and he does it to create a family. And so he calls people to himself, to himself. He gives them a new identity. You were in the kingdom of darkness, now you're the kingdom of light. You were enemies of God, but now you're friends with God. You were, you were hostile to his kingdom growth. Now your ambassadors actually grow his kingdom. So he's changed your identity. And then he calls you to live from that identity which he's given you. But he's always called people to himself to create a people, to create a new, a new identity in you, and then you're to live from that identity. And this theme in the whole Bible, and God calls his disciples who are, who, whose hearts are turned to give honor and glory to Jesus, he calls his disciples to live differently than the culture and the world around them. It is a theme over and over and over. Come out from among them. Be set aside for, for, the, for the use of God. God himself is referred as holy, which we're going to read in just a moment, which means separate than everybody else. So the call of living under the kingship of Christ, it is a call to the life of unconformity. Now, this, this flies in the face of uh, uh, maybe American Christianity where actually if in, order, in order to grow a church, you've got you to conform. In order to reach people, you, 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 you kind of have to get, be like them. Now, this doesn't mean we're weird or Amish. No offense to Amish, okay, I'm just, because I did say weird and Amish in the same sentence. So, you know, it's weird. So, anyway, th this doesn't mean that, you, that, that you're, you're just this bizarre thing. It doesn't mean that you're not practical in life. This is about how we live our lives and if we're doing it for the glory of Christ or not. So, 
But in the challenge, disciples of Jesus bear a dual responsibility. Because it's not just a call to be holy and come out from among them and look different. It's a call to engage those around us and to reach those around us. It's dual. It's both. So, yes, we're called to live, serve, and bear witness for the glory of Christ in the world. However, we must be vigilant. And this is an area that I would say the church has not been. But we must be vigilant to not, to not allow the world and the culture to inform us about our calling and our behavior. We are called by God to inform the world who are hurting and broken to inform them what is, the, what is the pathway to life. What does it mean to actually live a life that is free of guilt and shame? What does it mean to align our lives with, with the kingdom of God and his word to bring glory to him? We inform culture. Culture does not inform disciples. So we're called by God to have both in mind. This means we should neither strive to protect our holiness by isolating ourselves from the world. This is not the call of God. This is not, this is not the model of Jesus. God so loved the world, he sent his son to be right in the middle of us. Not to sit from some high place and say, oh, you shouldn't do this, or I'll just do the work here, but I can't get too close to you. No, no, he came and dwelt among us. So we don't protect our holiness by, by escaping, nor though do we compromise our holiness by conforming to the ways and the thoughts and the beliefs of the world. So every kingdom has an authority. Every kingdom does. And that and ours is the word of God. And so when you live in a kingdom, you don't go, I don't care what the king says. I think that's foolish. I think that's outdated. I think that's just something that doesn't really fit me and my family. But I like, I like the part that he'll, he'll, he'll save me and provide for me. You, you, you don't do that because you're under his kingship. You align yourself with it. So God's called his people to be holy and engage the world. But in this area of holiness, it's a, it's, a, um, it's a theme in the scriptures. Leviticus 11, God says, 11.45, God says, I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy. Why? Because I'm holy. In other words, you are of me now. I've marked your life. You belong to me. You're in my family. Be holy, for I am holy. And our family, we have, a, we, we have a, an understanding that, hey, kings, I, don't tell me what some other family does. We kings have a standard in which we live. So if they say, yeah, but the, but the Joneses do this. And I said, I, uh, I don't care about Joneses. I care about my family. Because there is a, there, there is a way of living so many times, they understand, we're, as our, our children and our family, hey, be a representation of Jesus and 
be a king. In other words, have manners, have courage, stand up, be respectful, be honoring, and honor Christ. That's what we do. So Jesus calls us as disciples to live in the atmosphere that he created in his kingdom for us to live out of and from. It's, it is the, the nature, the characteristics of the one who set us apart and he says, hey, I changed your last name. So be holy because I've marked you because I'm holy. And so this is the call of God. First Peter says this, First Peter 1, 14 through 16, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. So this is about us that we used to be dumb, right? We used to just be a slave to sin. We really, it was just our, our, our nature was sin. And you did things and you were ignorant. Well, don't do that because you've been saved and brought into God's family. Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. So what this means is, is we align our lives according to the scriptures. We align our, our, our decisions according to the scriptures. We align our sexuality according to the scriptures. We align marriage according to the scriptures. We align how we raise children according to the scriptures. We align how we treat others according to the scriptures. We engage with the world to transform it according to the scriptures. Amen? Why? Because that's, uh, this is, this is, God's culture. It's his constitution for us. So we live under it. God, he was calling, he was actually correcting his people. Listen to what else he says in Leviticus 18. Excuse me, this is not correcting, it's the next verse. So Leviticus 18, God says that you shall not do as they do. So I just want you to hear that. You shall not do as they do. In the land of Egypt where you lived, and you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan, to which I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You shall not follow, you shall follow my rules, my culture, my truth, and keep my statutes and walk in them. I am the Lord your God. So again, he, he ends his statement with, you belong to me, and I've set you in this kingdom. So you're to be different. This is what God says to the prophet Ezekiel when his people were conforming to the culture around them. Ezekiel eleven twelve. for you have not followed my decrees or kept my laws, but have conformed to the standards of the nations around you. If I was to say what age were we in um, within church or Christianity or Christendom or whatever you want to call it, it is probably not the age of escapism, it's the age of conformity. Conformism. And so the Lord is speaking to us, wanting us to transform the world, but calling us to come under his authority and kingship. When Jesus is speaking on, uh, during the Sermon on the Mount, he, he referenced those around him. So he looks around. I mean, this, this was not po politically correct of what, he, what he's about. To, I'm, I'm going to read you. Like, this is not very Christian-like. 
That's funny because he's Christ, therefore, okay, all right. So he's speaking and he looks around and he goes, okay. So there's pagans over there, there's Pharisees here, there's hypocrites there. And so he's talking. So they're there with him. They are there with him. They're listening. He goes, okay, everybody, you see this guy right here? I know this is, I'm sorry. Did you see this guy right here? Everybody, you see, you see him really good? Okay, yeah, that guy, and then uh, this, this lady, and then uh, that one over there. See, see, those, see those? Don't be like them. <laughs> That's what he says. Don't be like them, Matthew 6. So you see them? Don't do that. See how they live their life? <laughs> Don't do it that way. I mean, they're like, it's not very nice. I mean, it's a direct statement about what it means to belong to him. And that's a command to not conform to the culture that demands you to conform. So our conformity comes from our king. And if you find yourself being conformed or worrying about being conformed in the world, I would take a hard look at who you have placed on the throne of your life as your king. Culture manifests the kingship of society. Culture demonstrates the society's religion. People of God manifest their king, who is Jesus. That is, that's what God's called us to. This is what it means to live under his kingship. Paul says this out of Romans 12 too, do not conform. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he's speaking to a people that are taking their cues of the behavior and actions of their life from society, from culture. And he says, don't do that. He then gives another, another way. This is what you should be conformed by, by the, trans, by the transformed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Later writes that the word of God, which washes us, references that in all things that we, would, that we would cast down every thought that's contrary to the will of God. In other words, that doesn't fit his culture. Nope, not doing that. Nope, I'm not going to think on that. Nope, I'm not going to behave that way. Again, it doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean that this is something that, that oh, wow, I've arrived. This is great. No, it means we are being, being transformed. So we're in process. Amen? We're in process. But the characteristics of one living under the kingship and authority of Christ is one not only is not conforming to the culture. Now, I want you to get this but is living and developing a Christian counterculture. So we are modeling a culture that 
others can look to. We're not hiding our culture or escaping and, and only living out our culture in our church when we gather. No, no, no. This is something we are creating a counterculture that is a light that is set on a hill for people to go, hey, you're different. Hey, your way of life, tell me about this. And we do live in a culture that if you are a light on a hill, they're going to tell you, there's, there's this pushback, yeah, but that light makes me feel uncomfortable. So we are, we're not, we don't come to them in superiority. We don't come to them in arrogance. But we do stand and say, but I'm shining my light. Why? Because I want to bring glory to Christ through my life. So when they ask you questions about hot buttons and topics and your grandkids do and your children do and your coworkers do, you say, you say so um, as a Christian, it, it really doesn't matter what I believe about that topic. Um, what matters is what God says. He's our creator. And so I come into alignment with his word so that I can bring glory to him. So this is what I believe about this. This is, this is what it means to create a counterculture, to bring glory to Christ. And there is a distinct difference and deep responsibility for the believer today to glorify Christ the King. It's, there's a deep, deep call of God. I believe where we are today, because we're in the U.S., in the U.S., I can also look at Europe and other places is because the follower of Jesus has forgotten that they're called to create a counterculture that's different than the world. We've tried to slide in and live for Jesus without being noticed. And we've forgotten that actually through Christ, he has, he has placed on you the mantle to rule and reign the earth and to bring glory to him. He has called you to come under his kingship and receive his incredible blessings in life and freedom and liberation from sin. He's called you, but you also have a responsibility to make a difference. So to live from the reality of God's kingdom and Christ as king is to engage the world, but not to conform or compromise the truths of our king. That's what it means. This isn't popular. This isn't something that people are like, oh, wow, I can't, you know, I can't wait to be challenged. Why? Because we are uncomfortable. Because we know a counterculture in our life from our words and our actions produces rejection from people around us. So this means you engage culture with God's love while resisting the lies within culture at the same time. This means you don't celebrate what God says is not to be in your life as a follower of Jesus. You are not to affirm anything, whether it's gay marriage, whether it's shacking up with a boyfriend-girlfriend, whether it's, it's, it's some, any immorality, you are never to affirm it because what you were doing is you, by affirming it, are being hostile to God's kingdom. 
You are to love, you are to engage, but you're to be counterculture. You're to share the gospel, you're to invite them into relationship with Christ, but you are never, ever called by God to affirm what he calls sin and what he has rescued us from. It's just our call. It's one of a disciple of Jesus Christ. This is what it means. So what is forbidden, though, as a reminder, what is forbidden as an ambassador of Christ, as it pertains to culture, is looking for an escape or conforming to the culture. It's forbidden. You are not to escape, you're to love and engage. Also, you're not to conform. We're to be involved in the world, but separate from the world. So many challenges in this, but we're, we're, I just want to look at one today because I'm looking, looking at the time, is, is this. We live in a world of pluralism. So this is a challenge for, for believers. It's a, this is a, it's a pervasive idea that everybody's truth is a truth. And that for a Christian to say, excuse me, I believe there's one truth. I believe there's one authority of humanity, and it's our creator. That is seen in a world of pluralism as incredibly arrogant. Like, pff, who do you think you are? Why would you say that? So what you're saying is you don't believe my truth, my truth can't be your truth, and, and no, there's one truth. And I actually didn't make it up like you did. <laughs> Living under the kingship of Christ recognizes he is the authority of truth. So we live under it. This is a, the, the pluralism is, a, is an idea that all roads lead to God. All religions have, we're to respect equally. And here's the truth. Pluralism does not exist in the kingdom of God. So if we're to pray that his kingdom would come on heaven as it is on earth, and, we're to, and the kingdom is among us and in us, and we're to help reclaim what already belongs to him, pluralism doesn't exist in his kingdom. Because Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So if someone would believe that there is a better life for them outside of the principles of God's kingdom, they are deceived in believing a lie. If a, if a, if a man in marriage thinks, yes, but I have sexual needs, and so I'm going to go outside of, of, of God's plan and purpose in a marriage, and try to achieve that somewhere else, and I still love Jesus. You go, um, you got a problem, bro. Because Jesus says, I'm life. And if you try to achieve life outside of me, it's called death. He's the only way. Jesus told us to make disciples of everyone. So what we are to do is recognize he's the way, the truth, and the life. So people's, people are like, there's this, the, the movie, uh, The Three Amigos. I don't know if you guys have ever watched it. 
<laughs> what we say in our family, because we're goofballs, but what we say is we go, there was one scene where like, I think it's Steve Martin, he's on a, he's on a horse and he's riding away. He goes, follow me, I know the way. And he doesn't know the way. And so someone says, hey, I know the way. And it's outside of Christ. That's not the way. Hey, I know how to find life. And it's not found in scripture, then it's not life. Actually, the opposite is true. If it's the way, nope, that means you're going to be lost. If you say it's life, that means it's death. They say it's truth, it's a lie. If it's outside of Christ. So we are called, though, by God to understand these principles. First, live under them. Then engage the world. Because that's what Jesus calls us to do. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them, and teach them what I've taught you. Like, wait, we, we, forget, we forget that last. We like the go part. That's fun. And we like the nations because we're like, I like to travel. Teach them what I've taught you. What did he teach? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What did he teach them? He taught them that God has given a law for us to live our lives and how to serve people and how to actually walk in, in freedom. He's given us truth on how we can treat our marriage. He's given us, uh, he's given us the reality of what, what a marriage in his kingdom is, which we will talk about in this series between one man and one woman. It, 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 that, that's, that's what we're to teach them. And I promise you this, friends. The first century church did that. And they were eaten by lions in Colosseums. They were crucified. For what? Because it was more than just, hey, God loves you. He died for your, he died for you. It's okay. It doesn't matter what you do. They didn't, they didn't kill them for that. They killed them because they said, God designed you and created you. And we know the way you can live your life so you can actually live it out and it can be powerful and you can live in holiness and live under God's authority. We know how you can do that. And what you're doing is not the way. And they killed them. So this world of pluralism, what we are called to do, it's difficult, but what we are called to do is to make disciples of everyone and shape society to serve the world, to be generous, to be giving, to be loving, and to actually love them. Dave Powers said something that rocked my world, Pastor Dave. He says, it's very difficult to change something you don't love. So we're to have the heart of Christ for the lost, like he had for us. But he didn't say, hey, come to me and live how you want. He didn't say, come to me and, 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 and just figure stuff out on your own. He said, come to me, die to yourself, and follow me. 
And so we, we, are, we need to understand so that we are called to teach, to teach the word. And to do it in humility and kindness, but teach, share it. And in religious pluralism, this is the most offensive thing to do. And so in order to not offend, we don't teach everything Christ our King told us to teach. Because that could offend. Now, yes, like, you know, I know some people are street preachers and, and that's what they feel like God's called them to do. I, I, have, I have rarely seen any fruit of that standing up and just screaming at people, right? But through relationship with individuals, I've heard many stories of how people came to Christ because there was someone like you who actually showed interest and love in a person like Christ did in you, but you said, hey, Jesus calls you to repent and he wants to give you a new life. And so there's this idea that in order to, to love people, and this is, this is what's, what has invaded the church. In order to love people, we shield them. Or in our so-called love for people, we shield them from the fullness of Jesus and his word. That's called conformity. So important we understand. Believers influenced by pluralism will say that they're trying to love others in order to represent God and at the same time not wanting to represent the character and the word of God. You cannot separate God from his word. You cannot separate God's love from his word. And so we are to engage the culture and world without personal superiority and do it in humility, but in the pressures of pluralism, we are to be clear that there is such a thing as absolute truth. There is such a thing as a way, is there, there's a the truth, there's a the way, and there's a the life. And so the church has lost impact in the world because we have been influenced by pluralism. And so Jesus is our king. He reigns supremely over all the earth. He reigns in society. And King Jesus has proclaimed that he is the truth. And he is the rock on which the church is built. And we are in the kingdom. We are in the kingdom and believers are, have no liberty to tamper with our foundation. First Corinthians 8 says this, for, for us there is one God, the Father from whom all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things and through whom we exist. All things. Everybody say all things. He, he didn't say one day, he said, right now, right now. And so those desiring to be under the kingship of the truth, the kingship of Jesus, are to communicate truth. You're to be familiar with truth. You're to, you're to, be, you're, you're to be more connected to the Word of God than you are podcasts about the Word of God. It's, it's important that you read it. That you get it in your heart, get it in your mind. Let it wash you because there was a pressure to conform. The reason why Paul said don't be conformed is because it, there was a pressure to conform. 
Conform means there's a pressure against you, leaning against you, subtly, sometimes strongly, through what you hear, see, or around. There's, it's leaning, and so you can either conform to it or you can resist. And I think we're in this world of pluralism that we live with. Many Christians today feel like God, um, God doesn't represent himself very well in his word. Think about this. We think, ooh. It's kind of like, it's, it's like uh, have you ever known someone that's like, um, when they talk, it's, it's like, it's offensive a little bit, and they don't know it. And so you're like, hey, we're going to go meet so-and-so. Let me do the talking. <laughs> but, but think about this idea. This is what we do to God. The creator of the universe. The God who introduced himself as faithful, as loving, and then he gave us his word, his word, that flows directly from his character. You can't separate God's word with his love. And so we live in an age where, where Christians try to, they're like, hey, God, listen, I love you. Um, let me do the talking. If you could just, I, I, I need to protect people from you. Because I'm going to tell them about, about your son. And I, I'm going to tell them that he loves them. I'm not going to tell them they should repent though. Or e even to other believers. People who say they're a Christian, if someone says, I'm a believer, one, there's a greater responsibility. Before anyone can have any life change, they have to know Christ. So we have people who, who know Christ, encountered Christ, and are, and are living outside of God's Word. So, and, and people in, in their lives, Christians, are like, mm, I don't want to make them mad. And say, hey, brother, you, you are down, you're going down a road of destruction. This is, going to, this is going to destroy your life. God's called you to be faithful to your spouse. And, and I know, I, I know you're attracted to the same sex, but that is what scripture calls a dishonorable passion that you should repent of. It's not about controlling it, you should repent of it. It's dishonorable. But Romans 1 speaks directly to it. But, but so we shield God from his own character and his own word. But God has called us to live from his word. God has called us to be ambassadors of his kingdom. And for churches who have watered down God's word and his character for the purpose of getting people to church 
What that means, in order to keep them in church, you will have to keep watering down the Word and the holiness of God. And so God has called us, though, to come under His kingship. Christians are called to inform culture, not be conformed by it. It's called discipleship. It's called following Jesus. And so what an honor that we have. But God's also called us to disciple nations. I want you to think about this. I won't answer it today. What did Jesus mean by discipling nations? What did he mean by that? Just go tell them about Jesus? Yes, that's, that's part of it. But what does he mean by discipling nations? Like, wait, does he, does he mean that, he, that we're to actually apply the crown rights of Jesus the King over all things that he owns? Yes. But not, but not, but not politics, because that's not in his kingdom. No, actually, he said all things. All things. All things. Say all things. Oh, you mean we're supposed to be stewards of, of those things that serve people, whether they reject Christ or not? Yeah, you are. You are. You mean we're, we're to actually believe God's word is truly truth and it's the best way to life? Yeah, we are. We actually are. We are. And we're to apply that to people around us. Why? Because he said to love our neighbor as ourself. So there used to be this thing, and I'm wrapping up. There used to be this thing about before you can love your neighbor, you got to love yourself. That sounds great. But Jesus didn't say that. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, what you recognize as what is loving to you, which is the Word of God. You're to love your neighbor the same way and apply God's word to them. Invite them to know God and tell them they have a creator and tell them that God has a purpose and a plan and it's according to his word. You're like, now now think about this deception. We go, yeah, but that's not always loving. Okay. You've been impacted by pluralism. God's word is always loving because it flows from a loving God. God's word has always been official. Why? Because it flows from a God who wants to bless you. God's word about our whole lives, finances, marriage, children, sexuality, education, government, God's word applied to these areas and the areas that God has called each of you to is always loving. And to call God's word not loving is to misrepresent the kingdom and the king that we are in. Because it's always good. And all good things flow from the Father of light. And that's his word. So today, if we can, let's stand as we close. Today is the opportunity for us to ask God to transform our minds. And if you can, in closing, just raise your hands to the Lord.
Father, today we ask you that you would cleanse our minds, that we would, that we would bring ourselves underneath your kingship, that we would ask you to remove any impact and influence of pluralism. And Lord, may we stand on your promises that you are true, you are loving, you are kind, you are holy, you are right, and you are our king, and we are subjects under your kingdom. That we are ambassadors, not to represent us, but to represent you. So Lord, today we give you our lives and we submit to you. And may we respond out of obedience, and may you continue to grow us and lead us. In Jesus' name. Just remain with your um, eyes closed for a moment. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ and you recognize he is not your king and you want to make him your king today, nobody's looking around. Just raise your hand right where you are. Just right where you are. Raise it up. Bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Hold it up. Wave it at me. Bless you. See you. God bless you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And this is about you just confirming you've put your faith in Christ. And let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, forgive me. I repent of my sin, and I recognize you as my Savior. I believe you died for me, I believe you rose from the dead, and I believe that you're living inside of me right now. And so from this moment forward, I belong to you. I will do whatever you want, and I will be a disciple of you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give God a hand today. If you gave your life to Jesus today, we want to help you on your next step. And so there's that QR code. We'll take you there. God bless you, my friends. We have a prayer team who's going to be um, coming. We'd love to pray with you and for you, however we can serve you. I love you, friends. God bless. Go get your kids. I went long. Love you all. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, visit faith.church. That's faith.church.